Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. I'm Josh Tillerosa. Excited to be in week number two of our Christmas series. And I'm glad you've decided to join us as we look at the Christmas story from the angle of God coming down in the person of Jesus Christ. And so this series is focused on how God descended. And last week we looked in the scripture at John chapter 1, and it gave us a window into how God descended, stepped down into humanity as Jesus. He, he was, as we learned, equal with God the Father. He was active in making and sustaining the whole universe. He gave up ruling the universe uh, for a time in order to come and save us. And he came as a baby. And you could say this is a true riches to rags story. Very, very unusual. Now today what I want to do is I want to look at the timing of his descent. Consider some of the different phrases related to the idea of timing. Like here's one phrase you're probably familiar with. Timing is everything. And I've heard this phrase related to, to sports, to business, to real estate, to, to conflict even, or, or even to finding a new job. Or here's another phrase, in the nick of time. This is used when we want to describe something that is just at the last moment, right down to the wire in the 11th hour, you know, when those things occur at the very end. Or what about this phrase? It's just a matter of time. We would use this to describe something we're certain will happen. In other words, it is inevitable. Now, timing, it matters. For example, timing is relevant to the holiday season, isn't it? I mean, it takes a lot of time to think through a thoughtful gift. It just, it, you have to, you have to sit down and think very, very specifically about the person you're trying to buy for. Uh, it takes a lot more time to, to think through the thoughtful side of a gift than just to purchase a gift card. Uh, what about this? We keep hearing about the supply chain problems. And so there's a backup in the oceans. Uh, and as far as us receiving all of the products that we're waiting for for Christmas or just even just our normal purchasing, uh, now the big question is, will all of these gifts that people have purchased arrive in time for Christmas or will they be lost forever? Here's another thing. Do we really have the time to travel this year or should we just stay home this year. It's, it's such a headache. Do I really have the time to hop on an airplane or, or to, to fight the traffic? On Is this really a good time for a trip? Timing. Now, Christmas is also a reminder of missed opportunities, moments in time that we just didn't take, things you didn't say, things you didn't do. Maybe you should have done this or done that differently. You know, it can be really painful when you don't get the timing right. And honestly, for us, that seems to be a lot of the time. Timing is so important. And that's why this week I want to look specifically at, at how Jesus was the gift that came at the perfect time. So in this message, we're going to look at God. We're going to look at his plan. And we're going to look at the story that highlights his perfect control. So here is the birth of Jesus. Found in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. The Bible reads this. In those days, a decree one out from Caesar Augustus, that the whole empire should be registered. Now, here's a picture of Caesar Augustus, also known as Octavian. He, he was the emperor of Rome, 
but this was a registration of everyone in the empire. This was a census to ensure taxation. So that was the purpose there. Verse 2 reads, This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. This is the mention of a local governor. Uh, so this just sort of places the birth of Christ at a certain point in history, a certain time on the calendar. Verse 3, So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David. So Joseph traced his family line back to King David of Israel, whose hometown was Bethlehem. So that's where Joseph had to travel to be registered as a part of this the census going on in the Roman Empire. Verse four or five reads, To be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him, and was pregnant, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So the time came. Literally the days were completed. Mary is full term. I mean pretty different for us we can sort of track uh pregnancies and you talk to someone who's pregnant they can sort of be tracking with with where they're at in pregnancy there's even apps for for people that they track on their phone when is uh their baby supposed to be due and they keep track of the days and uh, they're counting that down well you know they didn't have apps in those days they didn't have the weekly doctor visit to find out how far along uh this pregnant woman would be so so mary is uh is basically she knows she's pretty pregnant she's 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 about there it says the time came literally that has to do with the days meaning the days were completed she's full term ready to give birth now this was not mary and joseph's hometown bethlehem was was in the southern region they were up from a northern town uh, called nazareth about 90 miles away so sounds like a great time to make a a trip when you're full term pregnancy right <laughs> this is unusual timing but when the government demands that everyone has to register in the town of their ancestors, then you really have no choice. And so they went, and once they arrived there, it says the time for her to give birth you know, was upon them. And so, now I've been out of town on trips, and I've gotten sick before. You probably had that happen to you as well. You're away, and you realize, uh-oh, I'm getting sick. And sometimes it's, it's mild. Sometimes it's really severe, and you're like, I need to get to the doctor. And it's a major challenge. It's really hard, one, to get a hold of your doctor when you're out of town. It's hard to get a hold of the doctor and make sure you can get a prescription sent to the city that you're in. That's just sickness. But can you imagine being pregnant and then out of town? This is a hard pill to swallow. And if this reference was just tied to the inconvenience piece that this may have brought to this couple, that'd be one thing. But the time came, there's even a fuller understanding here. It could also refer to something more than just the delivery, God was doing something at this moment in time, this moment in history, very, very significant. So verse 7, Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, it's an animal feeding trough, because there was no guest room available for them. So just in summary, like here's the situation when he arrived. First, leaders are vying for power over this massive Roman Empire. You hear about Caesar Augustus. He's ruling at that point. There was a lot of feuding amongst the Roman leaders. And there was a jockeying for power and position. There was even murder 
uh, in just in this uh, in these families that were fighting for control. And so Caesar Augustus is the person who who emerges as the emperor. And then in the background were these seemingly insignificant people, the Jews, who were who were sort of being thrown, tossed back and forth by the whims of these more powerful rulers. So that's one thing, just this power struggle. The second, there was a great amount of chaos and uncertainty for these people. Again, the, the Jews were really questioning, like, where are you, God? What's, what are you, what's going on? And so you've got to ask the question, what was God up to? You know, all of this turmoil and tension was happening prior to the birth of Christ. It kind of looked like chaos down on earth, yet God in heaven was exalting this one man, Caesar Augustus, in Rome. And through the census that he put into Caesar Augustus's heart, Joseph was then made to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Why? Why would he do that? Why, why not just keep Mary and Joseph there in Nazareth? God's in control of the plan. Why, why bring him, why bring this couple down south? Well, the reason why is because this would fulfill a prophecy given 700 years earlier. Uh, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 in the Bible records that the Messiah needed to be born and would be born in Bethlehem. Here's the prophetic announcement. Micah 5 2 reads, Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. But one will come from you who will be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. Someone is coming. This is not going to be like any other one. His his origin is from antiquity. Now, how does God do this? How does God move the pieces into place for these things to be fulfilled? Well, what God does, because he can is he brings about a situation in history to move people into the right places. So, he uses a census. Registration for taxation. Now, why did God decide that this would be the time? Well, no one really knows. In, in, in a bit, we'll actually see one writer describe the timing as a mystery, or even God's plan as a mystery. There's just things that from our limited perspective, we just can't understand about what God is doing and when he's going to do it. The prophets of old, they didn't, they didn't know. They just announced it. Not even the angels knew. We're going to look at a verse that states this. But everyone really longed to see all of this come about. Look at how Peter describes the anticipation. 1 Peter 1.10 Concerning this salvation, meaning how would God save his people? He writes, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you, meaning the ones who communicated God's messages. They searched and they carefully investigated. They, The prophets wanted to crack the code on the mystery surrounding God's plan for our salvation. Verse 11, So they inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow uh, the prophets, you know, God's giving this message to them to pass on. Uh, they're asking God, I hear your message that you want me to declare. They're asking God to whisper a little bit more. Can you just, can you whisper all the full details? I mean, we want to know. If you're working out this, this plan, you're sending this, this one, we, we want to know who. We want to know when. We, Look, we, we won't tell. Just just whisper it into our ear. We, we'll keep it to ourselves. It's almost like what Peter is writing. They wanted to know. But verse 12 reads, It was revealed to them 
that they were not serving themselves, but you. They, they're just the messengers. Then Peter states this. It's almost like he's saying, look, be really thankful. How fortunate to be living on the fulfilled side of these prophecies. We have the privilege of being on the other side of the prophecies, even than the prophets, to know more of the details. So, it reads, These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Everyone, the prophets, the angels, everyone's trying to figure out, God, what are you up to? And not even the angels could figure it out. All of creation was longing to see what God was doing. People just wanted to get a, get a peek of it. But, Here's the, here's the reality that we see in Scripture. Repeatedly, the Bible declares that God's timing for the arrival of Jesus was perfectly planned. Perfectly planned. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. It reads this. When the time came to completion. This word time here, it's, it's the word in Greek, chronos. And you think, you hear the word chronological. And so we think in terms of like minutes, you know, hours. Uh, days. You think calendar. Chronos makes you think in terms of the calendar. A point in time. A point on the calendar. A day in history. So, this is the language here that is being used. When the time came to completion, essentially when all the preparations had been made for this moment, some translations actually translate this to read in the fullness of time. So when the time came to completion, God sent his son. Born under the law, or born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So I want to break this down. First, God sent forth his son. Think about this. Why would God send someone so precious and so highly valued? I mean, second, to redeem us. That just means to buy us back through the sacrifice that Jesus willingly made on the cross so that we might receive adoption status. Through, through this gift, we receive family privileges, high status. We're in the family of God through this gift. This is how we enter into a relationship with God himself. It's through this gift of the Son. Now Paul, the same author, communicated this plan to a different church in this way. Ephesians 1.7 in him, speaking of Christ, we have redemption. That just means we've been bought back through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. That trespassing means like you're, uh, you're breaking past a line. You're crossing a boundary that uh, you shouldn't cross. So in Christ, we have redemption. We've been, we, we, we've been bought back through Jesus' blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. We've been, our sin has been paid for according to the riches of His grace that He richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of His will. There's that idea. Like God's in control, but to us it's a mystery. According to His good pleasure that He purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time. This is not uh, something that God just thought up that week. This had nothing to do with like a, a failed plan and then here's, here's the new plan. No, this is a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ. This is part of God's purpose. He had this plan, both things in heaven and things on earth 
in him. Paul here is, is emphasizing that God was pleased to work the plan according to his good pleasure, meaning it brought him joy, it brought him pleasure to send his son. This is a precious gift, a timely gift. Now, if you knew that everything was going to work out according to plan, then you're at peace. Your heart is, is settled. Well, God rules. He is always in control and it frees him up because of his control to act with such extreme generosity and kindness towards us. Now, now what do all these passages mean when you sort of weave them all together? What, what we learn is together they show us that God is in control of every detail and he stuck the landing. He nailed it. This is where we differ from God. Things in our lives are often spinning out of control. We've all seen our plans crumble and even fail. We form our plans, but many times they just go up in smoke. For example, I've got a video clip for you, and so I want to flash back to a movie from 36 years ago to see one man attempting to work out his plan to help his friend with time travel. Let me show you my plan for sending you home. Please excuse the crudity of this model. I didn't have time to build it to scale or to paint it. It's good. Oh, thank you, thank you. Okay, now. We run some industrial strength electrical cable from the top of the clock tower down, suspending it over the street between these two lampposts. Meanwhile, we've outfitted the time vehicle with this big pole and hook, which runs directly into the flux capacitor. At the calculated moment, you start off from down the street, driving directly toward the cable, accelerating to 88 miles per hour. According to the flyer, at a precisely 10.04 p.m. this Saturday night, lightning will strike the clock tower, electrifying the cable, just as the connecting hook makes contact, thereby sending 1.21 gigawatts into the flux capacitor and sending you back to 1985. All right, now, watch this. You wind up the car and release it. I'll simulate the lightning. Ready? Set. Release. Now, that's a great example of the reliability of our plans. So many of them just they go up in smoke. <laughs> I'm really not God. I can't fully trust my plans. I'm lucky if one day goes according to the plan. I just can't trust everything I come up with. But God, he plans in centuries and millennia, and he pulls his plans off every time. Aren't you glad God decided it was worth rescuing us by sending his son to descend into humanity, into real time? Aren't you glad he took the time? Aren't you glad he wasn't too busy? In fact, he stepped into our world at just the right moment. Superheroes are known for well-timed heroic moments. These just in the nick of time saves. One of my favorite examples is this scene. Spider-Man 2. You've got this train full of passengers uh, that are, are running out of control and they're going to head into the Hudson River if, if, if someone doesn't 
do something about the situation. So Spider-Man, he, he steps into action. Take a look. God, this is it. Tell everyone to hang on. Break your So Spider-Man, he, he sacrifices himself. And some fans of comics, they would describe Spider-Man as sort of playing the role of a Christ figure. So here's this, here's this picture again from that, from that clip where he's being carried back on the train and on the subway train. And he is, he sort of almost looks like, uh, you know, Christ, um, being taken off the cross. And don't get offended. I mean, he's only a character from the comics, and, and I wouldn't necessarily call him a, a a Christ figure, but, you know, he is sometimes referenced as that. But even in that scene, though, Spider-Man only has ideas. He's actually acting more like us than God. He, he's trying every idea possible. And, in fact, from that scene you saw, his first two plans weren't working. He tries to, to break the train with his feet, so he just puts his feet down and tries to just slow the train down and... That doesn't work. <laughs> so he has another idea, and he tries to sling his web along a couple of buildings, and the web snaps the first time. And then finally, one of his ideas worked. He decides to keep, you know, shooting his web out on every building, and that strengthened the web more and more. And eventually, it slowed the train down, and he was able to save all of those people. But you know, he he's just 
grabbing ideas that come to his mind, finally one of them works. Now that's more like us than it is God because God's plans never fail. He doesn't need to do uh, do-overs. He doesn't need to try again. Whatever God plans to accomplish will come to pass. And because they do, we can have hope. We can trust him. And aren't you grateful that that's the case? So what does this mean for us here and now? It means this. Christmas is the time to respond to opportunities. When God stepped into our world in the person of Jesus, this challenges us to consider how important real-time opportunities truly are. God, he chose the time, and then he acted. Right when the time came for the Son to be sent, he acted. And when it was the right time, he didn't delay. Now, how often in our days are we made aware of needs that we'd like to do something about, but we never decide to act in real time? Sometimes the opportunity just passes us by. Sometimes we get distracted, focused on something else. Sometimes we wait too long to make the decision, and meanwhile, the opportunity passes In what specific ways can you respond to opportunities? That might mean time, it might mean money, it might mean serving, it might mean planning. But there are so many needs and opportunities to bless and to shower the people in our lives in real time. And we want to encourage you to consider doing that this week. So here's a one major next step for you to sort of personalize to your own life. It's this. How can I act on an opportunity this week? We want to encourage you to do something in real time. Figure out who, what, and when. How exciting if, if three to four hundred of our adults at OCC went around this week looking around and considering who's here in my life, what might be helpful for them, and then when can I, when can I do that? When can I help? I want to encourage you to think through that as, as you go. Hey, let's pray and We'll continue. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for an opportunity to look in your word at the specific timing that you had planned to send your son to rescue us. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Help us to consider um, the world that we're living in, the people that you place in our lives, and help us to take a step towards acting on the opportunities that you've uh, put before us. We thank you for uh, this uh, service and this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.